Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Good morning, Rocky Valley. Great to see everyone out. First off, got an announcement I want to make before it's not on here. I want to welcome Brother Jason Ligon, our music director for the day. I believe I was blessed by that. I mean, I was singing that, but I hope you guys were blessed too. So, Go over the announcements real quick. October the 25th, Rocky Valley will have a business meeting after our Wednesday night classes. October 28th, Rocky Valley Trunk or Treat will take place here in the back parking lot. Is it the back parking lot or the front parking lot? Front for the trunk or treat, chili and hayride back here. Uh, so bring some chili for the cook-off, decorate your trunks, and provide plenty of candy. That will start at 6 p.m. October 29th will be family day uh, here. There will be no children's church for the morning service. October 29th as well will be a, a baby shower for Josh and Brittany Hearn in the fellowship hall at 2.30. They are registered at Friends and Stitches, Walmart, and Target. And then November 10th, Women's Night here at Rocky Valley, uh, the speaker will be Shannon Wright from Surrender Ministries. Uh, all proceeds from this event will go to the Bring Sarah Home Fund. Tickets are $15. You can see Jennifer or Candy to purchase one. Or if you're interested in decorating a table for that, make sure you get with one of them to coordinate that as well. Uh, continue to remember Hearts for Hunger and all those on our prayer list. And if you are a visitor, I neglected to say this, we welcome you and are so glad you're here. Uh, when, you should have got a visitor's card when you came in. When the offering plate comes by, if you don't mind, just fill that out and drop it in there. And I believe that is all the announcements we have here. So I will go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will take time, greet each other, shake hands, say hello, hug if you want. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, just thank you for an opportunity to be here, Lord. I just I lift up the services to you this morning, Lord, the, the worship service. Lord, I pray that it be pleasing to you, Lord, and that your spirit rest upon this place, Lord. And I just pray that you, you move in the congregation, Lord, you move in hearts. Lord, be with Brother Jason as he brings the message that you've laid upon his heart for us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you open our hearts to receive it. Lord, just help us take it out into this world, Lord, so that we can continue to spread the gospel. Lord, and share the love of Jesus with everyone. Lord, I just lift up all those on our prayer list. Lord, those that are fighting cancer, those that have tests this week, Lord, and those that have lost loved ones, Lord, we lift them up to you at this time and their families. Lord, just be with us all. Lead God us and direct us and forgive us where we fail you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Good morning. As you find your way back to your seat this morning, we've come to sing to our King, our Creator, our Redeemer. Sing to the King. Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation His empire shall bring And joy to the nations When Jesus is King Come, let us sing a song A song declaring we belong to Jesus He's all we need Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the King. For His returning, we watch and we pray. We will be ready the dawn of that day. We'll join in singing with all the redeemed Cause Satan is vanquished and Jesus is King Come let us sing a song A song declaring that we belong to Jesus He's all we need. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the King. Sing to the King. Sing to the King. Sing to the King. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Amen. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place. What a day of rejoicing that will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory While we walk the pilgrim pathway Clouds will overspread the sky But when traveling days are over not a shadow, not a sign. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Onward to the 
Christ before us, soon His beauty we'll behold. Soon the pearly gates will open, we shall tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll see and shout the victory. As our ushers come this morning, we ask if you bow your head as we have our offertory prayer. Father, we just thank you for this day, for the sunshine and the beauty of the earth, Lord, as we left our homes this morning to come and worship you. Father, we ask that you would be with this church, Lord, as we have a meeting this morning to worship you, Lord. And we ask that you would be with these tithes and offerings. May you use them to the advancement of your kingdom. All these things we ask in your son's holy name. Amen. You may be seated. We are blessed beyond measure to have Miss Theresa Stevens with us this morning. I told somebody the other day, matter of fact, I told Roger, and I said, Roger, I don't mean to offend you, but I said, there are very few people in the world who can play like Theresa. I said, when you watch, there wasn't any music in front of her. When you watch, it comes out of the throne room and right through the top of her head and out into her fingertips. So we're thankful for Silver Springs allowing you to come this morning. Thank you. As we continue to worship, would you stand to your feet as we sing the heart of worship?
something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it, when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin. Just redeemer, my Savior, art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, it is now. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of and it's all about you, all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, all for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flame. upon it mount of God's unchanging love here I raise my Ebenezer hither by thy help I come and I hope 
to rescue me from danger, interposed His precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Feel it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Amen. Be seated, church. Now, I've done something out of the ordinary today. I've asked a preacher to help with the special music. Ooh, y'all pray for me. I love your pastor. He's a good fella. He really is, and he's talented. And he can play the guitar really well. So I've asked him to come and play along with Amy and I. Miss Reese is going to sing. And I'm sorry, but all we know is old, okay? That's all I know is old. <laughs> but this song is one that's dear to my heart. I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary.
truth like there's a non-honest truth let me what a silly statement that is the honest truth really I believe that right there just now right yonder y'all just witnessed something that uh, if you'd have told me some of you know this, some of you don't. For those of you that know it, you're going to hear it again anyway. This wonderful lady over here is so near and dear to my heart. She was my first pastor's wife when I was but a wee little fella. I know most of you don't look at me and imagine the little part, but <laughs> I was once a wee little fella. And I'm not sure that if you'd have ever told me that I'd be playing the guitar while she played the piano at a church service where I was getting ready to open the Bible and preach the Word of God, I, she probably would have told you you was a liar, but I'd have sure told you you was crazy. So I just, that meant so much to me. Thank you so very much for that. And thank you, Jason and, and Amy. Um, I guess you guys did okay as well. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 10. The book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 44 through 48 this morning. The title of this morning's message is The Results of the Holy Spirit. The Results of the Holy Spirit. This morning we find ourselves in a text in the book of Acts. It's quite interesting we see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the Gentiles here in Acts, chapter 10. But we're in the text where Cornelius has called for Peter. Peter has come and he preaches and as Peter is preaching the Holy Spirit of God sets in on the house of Cornelius and things just get shook up friends and that's what happens when the Holy Spirit of God shows up things just kind of get shook up you know we we spend an awful lot of time worrying and wringing our hands and uh, and, and and thinking well what's going to happen how's this going to work out I'm so worried and I just I don't know what's going to happen and we really ought to spend more time praying that the Holy Spirit of God would show up because all that time we spend worrying, wringing our hands, the Holy Spirit of God is ready and he's there to shake things up. My friends, when the Holy Spirit of God shows up, things just get shook up a little bit. 
we gather together, we plan, you know, as church leadership, we spend a lot of time planning, well, how are we going to structure this service? How are we going to structure this event? How, how are we going to make sure we got enough food? Are we going to make sure we got enough uh, hay bales for the trailer? Are we going to make sure we got enough trucks to pull it? Have we handed out enough flyers? Have we put it on 11 social media sites? Has Brother Jason done a Facebook Live video to make sure we're promoting it well enough? When really all we ought to do is just get down on our knees and say, Holy Spirit of God, would you anoint this event? And all that planning we do after that would just fall right into place because when the Holy Spirit of God shows up, He has a plan all His own. And He does things far better than any plan we could, could ever come together. You know, I've been to some of the most well-prepared services that had some of the most talented musicians, some of the most intelligent preachers. And I have left feeling like I was deader than I was when I got there. Because for all the preparation and talent, the Holy Spirit of God was not on the place. But I've also been to meetings where the singer was a little off key and the musician missed a note or two and the preacher couldn't spell Greek. But the Holy Spirit of God set in and everybody walked out of that place knowing they'd been to church. Knowing that we've been to church. And so, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but, but every morning there's a group of men gather in my office to pray. Uh, before the church service, and without fail, every morning, that is the prayer of those men. God, let your Holy Spirit be present in this place tonight. Let your Holy Spirit be present in this place, in our Sunday school classes, in our worship hour. And the reason that we do that is because if we're not going to pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we might as well shake hands now, go on to, go on to lunch, and, and, and beat all those early crowds, all those people that have the 930 service. We'll just beat them there. We'll just shake hands and go on. Because apart from the Holy Spirit of God, we got no business being here this morning. And so this morning, we turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 10. And please stand to honor the reading of the holy, infallible, and errant word of God, beginning in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would do what only you can do, and that is dwell among us this morning, Lord. God, let your Holy Spirit just stay here. Lord, I already feel your presence in this place. But God, we covet your, your presence in this place. God, we beg you to stay with us because we realize apart from you, all is nothing, Lord. And so, God, you do what you can do and you change our lives this morning. Draw us nearer to you, Lord, in this time of worship through the preached word, God. God, you bind any spirit from this place that isn't your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And we promise, God, we promise we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all you do. And it's in your precious name we pray as God's people said. And you may be seated. Now as we get to our text this morning, let's remember how we got here. Let's, let's make sure we lay a little bit of context real quickly. We had Cornelius early in Acts chapter 10. He had a vision from the Lord to send men to Joppa and ask for Peter. 
And Cornelius the Gentile, who had this vision to go and ask to go and send men to Joppa and ask for Peter, he did that in obedience. He sent his delegates. They went to ask for Peter. Now, at that same stretch, Peter was having a vision. He was a devout Jew. He was a follower of the Jewish law. He was proper in the way that he did things according to the customs of being a good Jewish man. And Peter was having a vision. And in that vision, he was being told to eat things and kill things that he'd never been allowed to eat according to his Jewish customs. Three times he had to be told in his vision to kill and eat. And finally, the Lord would reveal to Peter, he would say to him, listen, anything I've cleaned up, is not common anymore. Anything that I tell you to kill and eat, anything I tell you to do, anything I've cleaned up, it's not common anymore. Now imagine Peter woke up from that vision and was a little curious as to what it was. But suddenly after this revelation from God, the men from Cornelius show up. The delegates come and they say, we need you to come to the house of Cornelius. Now Peter would have known that Cornelius was a Gentile. And no doubt Peter had some red lights going off in his mind. Wait a minute. Maybe God's trying to tell me something. I better go to this house. I better go on and do that. And so now, here we have Peter shows up in the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. Now that's a big deal, folks. It just doesn't happen. The Jewish man, being devout, being proper, he wouldn't go to the house of the Gentile. Furthermore, the Gentile wouldn't invite him to his house. But here we have, it happens because the Holy Spirit of God had anointed that it would happen, had put a vision on Cornelius had put a vision on Peter and they did in obedience what they were commanded to do and here we have them intersecting in the house of Cornelius. Now when Peter gets there, Peter does what Peter does. He stands up and he starts to preach about Jesus Christ because what else are you going to preach about, right? Peter says, I've got Jesus, I'm going to talk about Jesus and something happens while Peter is preaching Jesus. Something goes crazy in the house of Cornelius while Peter is preaching Jesus. Look at verse 44 with me at our first point this morning. That's the revelation of the Holy Spirit. The revelation of the Holy Spirit. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Spirit fell. While he was speaking these words, the Spirit fell. So what exactly does that mean? I can tell you I'm a little envious of what happened to Peter here. I'm not going to lie. I'm just a little envious to what happened to Peter. Did you you know that right here, Peter preached a message and everybody got saved? He preached a message and everybody got saved. Son, that is what every preacher lays in bed at night and and, and when he's prepared. I don't know... I don't know if Brother Russ still does this, but at night, on Saturday nights, I'm nervous as a cat still, and I'm going through my sermon for Sunday morning, and did you know that every time I preach that sermon on Saturday night, everybody in the house gets saved? So I had dishes getting saved last night. The china cabinet has been saved three times. We're going to baptize it again next week. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God falls right next door to this church every Saturday night as I preach the Word of God. And I thought to myself when preparing this message, oh, for that day like Peter experienced that day. He opened his mouth, Jesus came out, and son, people got saved. But but let me tell you something. You say, how do you know that, Brother Jason? It says the Spirit fell. How do you know they got saved? Well, look what it says. It said, while Peter was preaching his words... The Spirit fell on those who heard the, the word. Now, in the English language, that's all the same. The, the, the word is all the same. But, but in the original language, that first time it says while Peter was preaching his words, it's talking about just the language that we speak, the words that we write on paper, the way that we communicate. But that second time when it says fell upon all those who heard the word, that's that word logos. And that goes, we go all the way back to John 
chapter 1, it says that in the beginning was the Word, the Logos. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And then in verse 14 of John chapter 1, it says that that Word became flesh and dwelt among men that we might behold his glory. You say, how do you know they got saved, Brother Jason? Well, how I know they got saved is it says when the Spirit fell, Jesus was revealed to them. It says that when they went in that place, they didn't know Jesus intimately. They knew Jesus as an idea. But as Peter was preaching the message, Jesus fell upon them and they came in contact with the Holy Spirit of God and Jesus Christ saved their souls. And my friends, they weren't the same afterwards. What what did I tell you on Sunday nights as we've been going through James? Once you encounter Jesus Christ, you ain't the same. Something changes when you come to know Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ is revealed to you, something changes. So in the lives of a bunch of Gentiles in the house of Cornelius, Peter is preaching and suddenly Jesus is revealed to them and their lives were set apart and changed immediately. They got saved. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 tells us that one of the marks of salvation, the way we'll be sealed is by the presence of the Holy Spirit. We know if they received the Spirit, they had to receive Jesus. They got saved right there in the house of Cornelius. Now, maybe that don't make you want to have a fit. That makes me want to have a fit when I hear about people getting saved as the words preached. We see they got saved, but I want to point out a couple other things real quick. Verse 44 doesn't read like this, does it? It says, now while Peter was eloquently speaking his words, he gave a real rousing altar call as the musicians sang a wonderful song. And as Peter stood and looked upon the congregation and said, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to look up at me if you want to give your heart to Jesus. No, that's not what it says, is it? It says that while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell and people got saved. While Peter was still preaching, Peter didn't even get finished with his sermon. You know, I bet Peter had a big ending prepared. I bet he was on about point number two of this sermon. He was going to the house of Cornelius, preaching to the Gentiles the first time. And son, I bet he was prepared to get with it. He opened up with a line about Jesus. He talked about his death. He talked about his resurrection. And Peter was fixing to use his famous closing line that had worked so many times. He was fixing to say, repent and be baptized. That's what he was fixing to do. I know what Peter was fixing to do. He was fixing to to hit that big close with his booming voice. And he was going to say, all you in the house of Cornelius, you need to repent. That's my Spurgeon voice. It's the best one I got. And that's what Peter probably sounded like. That's what he said. But, but it, it says he didn't even get there. He, you know, he stepped to the side of the pulpit like the preacher does when he's finna say something loud. And right when he got ready, he looked and everybody done got saved right in front of him. He didn't even finish his speech. He didn't even get going. He didn't get finished. He just barely got started. And the Spirit of God fell upon that place and people got saved. You know what that tells me? It tells me the most important part of a gospel presentation isn't the quality of the presentation. It tells me it's not the skill of the one doing the presentation. It tells me it's the anointing of the one that goes before the presentation. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God that saves souls. It ain't no 
preacher in his preparation. It ain't no way he presents it. It ain't the intelligence of the study. It's the Holy Spirit of God sitting in that place and convicting souls in a way that no man ever could. Do you know that if a preacher could convict you to salvation, he could, he could convict you to get unsaved just as quick. But when the Holy Spirit of God sets on you and saves you, they ain't nothing can pluck you from the Father's hands. And that's what happened in this place. It ain't the quality of the presentation. It's the quality of the anointing. The biggest objection that I hear from people as to why they don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ is they say, I'm not, not smart enough, not qualified to do that. I don't know all the answers to all the questions that they may ask. But right here in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, we see this, friends. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how prepared you are. It matters how obedient you are. If God says go... Go. God told Peter to go, and Peter went, and people got saved before he even got done. Look at verse 45 with me. We're going to look at something else about the revelation of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see there was a, there was a noticeable change went on in that place. How do we know that? Look at the, the people that came with Peter, those of the circumcision. That's a fancy word for the Jews. They believed, and they were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on these Gentiles. There was something changed. You could look in their eyes and tell something was different. You could look at them and just tell something had changed. And these Jewish people, they couldn't believe it. Well, what in the world is going on here? People are getting saved left and right. They, they couldn't believe it. Why? Because they had believed their whole lives that salvation was a Jewish thing. They believed the anointing of God was a Jewish thing. They believed they were the chosen people and nobody else could have God. They believed that they were set apart and chosen and sanctified and holy and everybody else wasn't. But right here before their very eyes, they see Jesus happening in these people's lives and they see that something's different. And right there when it says that gift of the Holy Spirit, that literally means something given freely without merit or entitlement. It means they looked upon those people at what was happening to those people and they realized that they were getting something that they didn't deserve. They didn't have any entitlement to it. Those Gentiles didn't deserve it. They didn't do anything to get it. They just got it. And suddenly, I believe those Jewish people, as thick as, thick as they were, they're just like us sometimes. We just don't want to get it real quick. But I believe even they looked at it and said, wait a minute. If they could get it without deserving it, I bet I didn't deserve it either. Well, now, wait a minute. If it can happen for a Gentile the same as it happened for a fine, upstanding Jewish man like myself, it must not have been nothing about my Jewish heritage that got me saved. It just must have been something that God did. If he can save a Gentile the same as he could me, well, well I bet it's a free gift. I bet it's a, a free gift. And they began to, to look at it, and they were astonished because their whole life they'd been taught their lineage is what set them apart. But suddenly they were realizing their Savior was what set them apart. It wasn't how they was born. It wasn't how they'd walked. It sure wasn't the way they washed their hands. It was the fact that God had set in on their lives. It makes me think of a couple of things. But one, that thought alone should motivate us all. That should motivate every one of us. We should find ourselves... In the same place that Paul found himself when he said, I was once the chief of all sinners, but by the grace of God I'm saved. You know, Paul said, I was as bad a sinner as there's ever been. And the only reason that I'm saved is by the grace of God. 
It was a free gift given to me. I was on my way to kill Christians. I was certainly not doing anything to cause God to come into my life. But God came anyway and he saved me. And what did Peter, Paul say he was going to do? He said, I am going to preach the word of God wherever I go because of what he did for me. I'm going to tell everybody what Jesus did for me on the road to Damascus. I'm going to appreciate that I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and I'm going to have a little talk about Jesus. I know I changed the words a little bit. I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. And friends, that ought to motivate every one of us. Do we realize that we once were just as lost in sin as Saul of Tarsus? We were just as hell-bound as anybody. But Jesus... Apart from anything we deserved, saved our souls. I want you to let that sink in just for a minute. Because I know I'm in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm preaching to a bunch of holy folk. But let it sink in that you ain't all that holy. That they ain't nothing about you ever been good. They ain't nothing about you deserved salvation. But you got it. Because the Holy Spirit of God set in and revealed himself to you. And you got the gift of Jesus Christ. His blood poured out over your sins. And when you contemplate just how bad you were, the grace seems so amazing. The grace is so amazing. But if you never think about how bad you were, the grace gets cheapened a little bit, doesn't it? We ought not never forget what we were and what we are now. Can I just tell you this? Think about these things real quick. Now you don't only have life, but you have life more abundantly. You you don't only sing a song, but you sing a, a new song. You don't only walk, but you walk in life. You're not only sealed and delivered for heaven, but you're transformed that you can worship the King of Kings right here. Between now and heaven, you ain't gotta wait to heaven to worship. Go and get your practice. You need to be good when you get there. That's the king of kings that we're going to worship in heaven. And if that don't make you want to shout hallelujah, I don't know what will. If that don't make you want to get up and praise Jesus, I don't know what's going, what it's going to take for us. If just knowing that God himself saved us in our state of unrighteousness doesn't make us want to shout hallelujah when a song is being sung and a word is being preached, then they ain't nothing going to do it. We ought to let that sink in continuously in our lives. It ought to filter out of our pores and everything that we do. I'm saved. Every time we wake up in the morning, I'm saved. Every time we go to talk to our boss, I'm saved. Every time we call our wife, I'm saved. Every time she goes to fussing and we won't say something else to her, we say, I'm saved. And I think she is too, maybe. The revelation of the Holy Spirit. But you know there's something else. And then I'm going to move on real quick. I'm sorry Miss Loretta. I want you to notice something. Them Jewish people that were there. They realized something was different. They noticed and they were astonished that something was different. So I want to ask you before we move on from this point. When people look at you do they realize something's different? Do they look at you and realize that the Holy Spirit of God has been revealed in your life? Or do they look at you and see the same old person they always saw? If you see somebody that used to know you, do they look at you and go, What has happened to you? Where you can say, Jesus happened to me. Or do you still look the same? That's a question we all ought to ask ourselves. I'm not going to stay there too long. We'll move on. 
First, we see the revelation of the Holy Spirit. People got saved. Now let us look to the response of the Holy Spirit. Look in verse 46 with me. It says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now this is one of those subjects we could spend a whole lot of time on. We could spend three sermons on verse 46 of Acts chapter 10. We're not going to for the sake of time this morning, because I know most of you would like to eat lunch before 3.30. But, but we are going to touch on it real quickly. We're going, we're going to touch on it real quickly. And one of these days we'll do a whole sermon on a Sunday night about talking in tongues and, and some of these things. But real briefly, we'll see one of these things that happened here is the Gentiles began to speak in a different tongue. They began to speak in something different than what was their native language. And it was for the same purpose there that they did this, that they've done it every time it's mentioned in Scripture that someone talks in tongues. The first time we see it is in Acts chapter 2. The people began to speak in tongues that were gathered. Why were they speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2? Because that was the day of Pentecost. That's when the Holy Spirit came upon them for the first time. And they responded with a sign of speaking in tongues. That everyone would be able to understand each other in this new language. They spoke in this new language. It looked different. It looked odd. But everybody had no doubt that it was because the Spirit of God had been given to them the first time. Later on in Acts chapter 19, we'll see the, the disciples of John the Baptist speak in tongues as, as he goes to them and he says, have you been baptized? They said, we were baptized into John. He says, you got to be baptized in the Spirit of the Lord. And when that change happens in the disciples of John, when they go from being disciples of John to disciples of Jesus, they speak in tongues. And it symbolizes a change for all to see right there in that moment. And the same thing is happening happening right here in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, it is a sign that the Spirit has been revealed to the Gentiles for the first time. It's a sign to all those who were looking that now that these men have had the Spirit to reveal to them in the same way that we did when the Pentecost first came, we can now know without a doubt this is of God. These people are changed. They've received the Holy Spirit of God. Each time in the Bible that we see people recorded actually speaking in tongues, it is a revelation of the fact that the Holy Spirit has sat down on their lives and something is different. Something has changed. Again, for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into the conversation of the cessation or continuation of the, the gift of tongues and the gifts of prophecy and all of those things. But I will say that there is one popular thought of theology that would say that one gets saved and then sometime later they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that displays itself in tongues or in healing or in some other manner. And I will tell you that, that there is nothing biblical about that baloney. There's nothing biblical that says God saves you in January and 10 years later when you've been good enough, the Spirit comes to you and gives you its gift. I read in Ephesians earlier what happens. When you get saved, son, you get the Spirit of God right there. And if you didn't get the Spirit of God, you didn't get saved. It's that simple. It don't happen. You've got a holy triune God and He don't give you part one day and part 10 years later. He comes and He saves you that day. The Holy Spirit of God is the sign of salvation for the believer. It it ain't something you got to wait on. It ain't something going to develop over time. You got all the Holy Spirit the day you got. He don't divide himself up and give you a little bit. He gives it all to you on the day that you're saved. The Spirit of God comes to those who are saved in Christ Jesus. They respond in tongues as a symbol of evangelizing. If you look in 1 Corinthians 4.22, you'll see that every time somebody talks in tongues, it is a process of evangelizing. We are different, we're signed, we're sealed, we're delivered, we're saved, and now we're going to preach. And that's how you know that something changed. Do you know there's not another recorded event 
in all of the Bible after Acts chapter 19 of somebody speaking in tongues. Not another recorded event. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had already been given to the Jews. It had already been given to the Gentiles. And it had already been given to the disciples of John the Baptist. All the groups of people that have ever existed have already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. No need for anybody to do it anymore. I'll stop there for sake of going on too long. So we see first they respond in tongues. They start to speak a new language in verse 46. But look at verse 47 with me. It says, Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So they not only responded by speaking in tongues, they, they, they're also getting ready to respond in baptism. They're going to respond in baptism. They've received the Holy Spirit. They got saved. Peter says, wait a minute, they've been saved. Now we ought to baptize them. That's what we ought to do. Remember Peter's message? He said, I didn't get to give my booming clothes of repent and be baptized, but I'm going to give it anyway. They done repented. Now I'm going to tell them they need to be baptized. He said, can we forbid water? They got the Spirit. They've got saved. They got the same thing we got. They ain't no reason they can't follow in the obedience that we have. The first act of obedience that we see suggested in Scripture of someone who gives their heart to Jesus is baptism. We ought to follow the Lord in baptism once we've been saved. This is not an act of salvation, but a result of salvation. That somebody would desire to be baptized. Notice with me there, Peter doesn't say that these men wish to be saved. Let's find them some water. Baptism wasn't needed for them to be saved. They was already saved. But baptism was their act of obedience. And Peter, being their first preacher, was directing them in the obedience to Jesus Christ. He was saying, hey, these guys have given their heart to Jesus. Now let me counsel them a little bit. He says, you need to be baptized. You need to follow Jesus. You need to do what Jesus did. Now I know that some would say that, that baptism is required for salvation. But can I just say... That, that baptism is an act of uh, something that we do. And if we could do something to save us, we could do a lot of things to unsave us. I praise God that baptism is not something that I do to earn my salvation. I praise God that baptism is something I get to do as a result of my salvation. That I can enter into that baptismal waters and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I want everybody to see that I'm doing what Jesus did. And I'm going to try to live my life in obedience to Jesus. And I'm going to start right here. You know, in Matthew 3.15, Jesus goes to John the Baptist and he says that he needs to be baptized that he would fulfill all righteousness. Now, let me just tell you all something. Jesus Christ already had all the righteousness in the world. When he, when he was born of the Virgin Mary, he already had more righteousness than was necessary. He was fully righteous. So he didn't need to get baptized to get saved. Jesus Christ was already righteous, but he said, the people that come after me, the people that are my disciples, are need to know that this is what you do in order to fulfill the desires of God. You need to be baptized to be obedient to Christ because you get saved. I'll tell you something else real quick before we move on. That word for baptism, that word literally means to be immersed to be immersed. I want you to notice something else Peter didn't say. It doesn't say in verse 47 that Peter said, can anyone forbid water? Somebody go get me a cup. I'm going to sprinkle these fellers' foreheads. And say, somebody go get me a medicine dropper. I'm going I'm to spread a cup of water on all these people in the house of Cornelius and we're going to be good to go. Peter says, go get me some water that I could immerse these men. Go get me some water that we could immerse these men. It is an act of obedience to be baptized. And in my copy of God's Word, it says that straightway Jesus came up out of the water. 
Now, I ain't real bright. I'm just, I'm just country bright. Some of you know what that means. But I do understand context clues. And I understand that before you can come up out of something, you had to go down into it to begin with. All right? I can't come up out of the basement until I walk down into the basement. I've tried it a bunch of times. My friends, when it says that straightway Jesus come up out of the water, that tells me that first Jesus was put in the water. And if I'm going to do what Jesus did, then I ought to be put down in that water too. That's what it means when it says, when Peter says, I'm going to baptize these boys, he's saying, we're going to immerse these boys in an act of obedience. They're going to do what Jesus did. Now I'm telling you this morning, if you've been saved by the Spirit of God and you've never been baptized, that's your first act of obedience. That you ought to be baptized just like Jesus was baptized. And if you were sprinkled when you was a little baby and you've never been immersed, I'm going to be just as Baptist as they get and tell you that the Word of God says you ought to be baptized and immersed. That's just what you ought to do. If you got baptized and got saved later, you ought to be baptized on the right side of salvation. It's believer's baptism. And if you have been standing here your whole life when somebody asks you for your testimony and you've been depending on your baptism, you need to get saved. I'm going to stop there for sake of being legalistic and for the sake of getting used to lunch. But look at me in verse 48 real quick. We see it's not only a revelation of the Holy Spirit. We see those results of the Holy Spirit, but we're going to see a real fellowship from the Spirit in verse 48. It says, He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and then they asked Him to do what? Stay a few days. Stay a few days. Now, I know that don't sound like much to you when I say stick around a few days. It says a lot in those few words, though. Need I remind you, this was a Gentile house. And this was a Jewish man with a Jewish delegation with him. Not only a Jewish man with a Jewish delegation, but a Jewish man that was high standing in the church in Jerusalem. And so for them to say stay a few days was a big deal. And it was an even bigger deal for Peter to stay because Peter had been taught his whole life he ought not be there. They weren't clean. And I'm not just real bright, but any of y'all have somebody in your life you know that don't like you much? Do you really want to hang out with them very much? I don't. I bet Cornelius about felt the same way about Jewish religious leaders. He said, they don't like me, I don't like them neither. But here we have the Holy Spirit of God set down in this place. And what Cornelius say? Peter, I wish you'd stay a few days. And Peter said, you know what? I think I will stay a few days. Because the Holy Spirit of God is here and I want to take part in that. My friends, can I just tell you, there's nothing more sweet than the fellowship. Hanging out with other people that have been bought by the same blood of the same Jesus that you've been bought by. There just ain't nothing better than hanging out with people that are saved if you're saved. I'm not saying you ought not go to the lost and dying world and evangelize. Of course you should. That ought to be your number one responsibility, but you ought to want to hang out with other believers too. It ought to just be more fun to hang out with other believers. It ought to be a good time of the Lord to fellowship with other believers. That's why I can't understand somebody that calls themselves a blood-bought child of God and say, I don't want to come and fellowship with the other believers at the church. I don't want to go to church. Why? Because the church hurt me. Guys, I've walked around this church 3,000 times in the last two years. It ain't reached out and poked me not one time. It ain't tripped me. It ain't bit me. It ain't pinched me. It ain't done nothing to me. This church, the building itself, 
It's pretty harmless. Do you know that the people inside the church, though, that actually make up what is the church, sometimes they do hurt people. Sometimes things happen in a church. Sometimes pastors hurt people. Sometimes deacons hurt people. Sometimes Sunday school teachers. Sometimes other church members hurt other church members. I don't understand it, but it happens. But do you know one thing that I know without a shadow of a doubt? If you ain't going to church because of something that somebody in the church did to you, with all the churches that there are in this free land that you could go and take part of, the problem ain't the church, the problem's you. That's just, I'm sorry, I'm not going to dance around that topic anymore. There are people that I've reached out to since becoming the pastor of this church that aren't coming to this church because of something that somebody did back before Jason Lohorn was pastor of this church. Now, my friends, I've been to three churches since Jason Lohorn left this church. So if you ain't coming to this church because of something that happened way back then and you ain't found another church, the problem ain't Rocky Valley Baptist Church. The problem is that you don't want to go to church. And if you don't want to go to church, then you need to examine yourself and say, did I get saved? Because if I am saved by the Holy Spirit of God, I want to go and worship God. Now, I'm not saying you got to worship God in a church building, but I'm saying you'll want to worship God with other believers. It ain't got to be in a church, but go find you a church that meets out by the lake if that's what you need to do to worship God. But find you a group of believers to worship the Holy Spirit of God with because if you're saved, you will want to worship God with other believers. The Gentiles wanted Peter to stay for a few days to worship God because they got saved. And something changed. And it ought to change in all of us as well. So how do we respond this morning to the word of God? First, if you've been saved. And you ain't been baptized. You need to ask yourself. Why haven't I been baptized? And when am I going to follow the Lord in obedience? What holds me back? Here it says after the Gentiles got saved. Peter started looking for water. Right then. So what stops me? Were you baptized on the right side of salvation? And if you weren't, what stops you from being obedient to the Holy Spirit of God? Were you fully immersed? And if not, what stops you from being obedient to the Word of God? Maybe you're here, you haven't been fellowshipping. Maybe it's not this church, maybe it's another church you wish to go to. I don't care. Go to church somewhere. But maybe you're here and you haven't been fellowshipping with the church and enjoying that gift. That is a gift of God to fellowship with other believers. Would you come this morning and say, God, I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to recommit to you. Maybe that's what you need to do. But I'm going to, I'm going to get back into church mode. It's easy to get out. I understand it. And once you've been out a while, it's tough to get back in. But you know how you get back into any habit? You just start doing it. You just start doing it. Ain't nothing I hate worse than a diet, but the best way for me to start a diet is to quit eating fatty foods. And I got to start with one day every time. I don't get to fast forward to day 300. And so commit. I'm going to commit to coming to church, fellowshipping with other believers. I'm going to find a church, whatever it is. Will you make that commitment? And this morning, maybe you're here and you've never committed to Jesus at all. You've never been saved. As I preach this word, you've realized you've You've never given your life to Jesus. If that's the case, would you come this morning? Let's start that conversation about what it means to give your life to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we come to you this morning. And God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit.
God, we thank you that it's revealed to us and given to us freely. It's a sign of our salvation. It's a sealing on our soul, Lord God. God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. God, we pray that we would be obedient to your call upon our lives, Lord God. Maybe you're calling us to be baptized. Maybe you're calling us to join a fellowship. Maybe you're calling us to say, this is, this is my church home. Maybe you're calling us to just commit to fellowshipping with other believers regularly. God, would you convict us? Cause us to stir in obedience. Give us the courage to share your gospel, Lord. And if there is someone here who's never said, I want to be saved. I want to follow Jesus. God, would you save them this morning? It's in your precious heavenly name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Please stand. Near to the heart of God. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. Is a place of comfort sweet near to the heart of God, a place where we our Savior meet near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. There is a place of full release 
Near to the heart of God, a place where all is joy and peace. Near to the heart of God, oh Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us to wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. There is a place of quiet rest, near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest, near to the heart of God. O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us to wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. There is a place of comfort sweet, Near to the heart of God, a place where we, our Savior, meet. Near to the heart of God, O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. Hold us who wait before Thee, near to the heart of God. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.